did a lot of talk about AI today. We did. Yeah. Uh, most of it, we had ChatGPT write for us. <laughs> well, you had it right. I had it deliver me with the visuals and everything. So mm-hmm. I'm not even here. Right. No. I'm just. A, that was a totally different I'm AI program, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's crazy how fast this is growing, and uh, when you look at. The ability of the federal government now going in and saying, because we had these guys in chat rooms that were were uh, putting out uh, top secret stuff, they're not saying, let's make our top secret access harder to get. They're instead saying, we've got to monitor everything. Yeah, of course. Well, the that, thing we wanted before is the thing we want now from this right. because of this new problem. Right. It, it is. It, it's crazy. And we're at a place to where it can happen. And so we talk a little bit about the technology that is coming, um, what it means that we talk about the leak and what that means with China, how long before they're ready to invade. Um, I personally, and I could be wrong, I'm not basing this on anything other than me, my gut, what I would do. I'll tell you about the timeline uh, with uh, China and so much more on today's program. Oh, by the way, also a really powerful hour on disinformation. All on today's podcast brought to you by Jace Medical. Recently, we shot down the spy balloon from China. Um, The president still, according to the White House, has not spoken to President Z about the balloon. I don't know if we're on speaking terms with a lot of people in the world right now. And we have 18 of our 21 critical antibiotics coming from overseas. We don't make medicines anymore. They take Japan. We don't make the really high, high, high value and uh, uh, efficient chips anymore. It's They're all made in Taiwan. Life could change quickly. If our relationship changes with China, we're going to be in real trouble for antibiotics. Right now, Jace Medical is a great way to keep yourself prepared for the worst or just even you don't have to worry about running to the doctor and get antibiotics. You can tr- treat a long list of bacterial illnesses with the uh, five different courses of antibiotics. You also have a doctor on call for you. It, don't get caught unprepared. Whether you're just going for a long vacation or just a vacation in the woods and you want to bring stuff with you, or you want to be prepared for something really bad, Jace Medical can help. JaceMedical.com. Enter the promo code BECK get a discount off your order it's jace j-a-s-e medical.com you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program hey i don't know if you saw what happened uh in chicago can we roll the tape on chicago nothing Nothing really bad happening in Chicago this weekend. Okay, so there were some teenagers that got a little out of control, maybe a little bit, uh, smashing windows and destroying public and private property and and shootings and things like that, and everything was on fire. But that's no big deal. What is the problem? Can't blame them. Look, they, they, this has happened multiple times now, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. The, 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 the incredible leadership of the city of Chicago has been there to try yes, to correct yeah, it, and, it's, yeah. it's, and this is the result of it, and, and yeah. they took out Lori Lightfoot to put in someone who might actually be worse. Yeah. 
So it's hard to do. Yeah, which is it's really hard, hard to do. do. Very yeah. difficult to yeah. do. But they've done it, and and this mm-hmm. will continue now. So I just like to ask. Um, Escape from New York, I think it's probably going to be Escape from Chicago before New York, you know, but uh, Escape from New York, it will be a prison because you take those 10 bridges out and nobody's getting off that island. So, um, but you're going to have to have somebody come in and rescue people in Chicago. It's going to get bad. Imagine if society would break down. They're doing this already and society hasn't broken down. Oh, that's going to be good. It's going to be good. No, seriously, it's going to be good. We should talk about things, you know, um, but we don't generally do that. But I think we should start. What is happening to us? Because we're about to enter a whole new world. We're about to give birth to something. Our due date is coming. You know, I was, I was reading. Um, I was reading the Bible this weekend. And I saw the words ripened fruit. And I thought, oh, wow, that's what we are. We are in our decay. We are ripened fruit, ready either for the picking or just to fall and rot on the ground. We got we to gotta change things. We have to start turning things around. And unfortunately, we have some huge issues that we're, we're not paying attention to. And we're not making progress. We just keep arguing left versus right. We keep arguing Democrat or Republican. That's a really pretty useless argument at this point. Why don't we start arguing principles? Because if we don't return to those principles, we're in trouble. Here is, here's the latest news on AI. Do you know that AI, ChatGPT and AI, it is doubling, what would you say is fast? It is doubling its power, its intellect, its toolbox, if you will, every 48 hours. Every 48 hours, it's doubling. Uh, They've never seen anything like this. They're surprised. Whoa, we're surprised. Really? You were surprised? Huh? Because, you know, again, a guy who doesn't have all of your education, I swear to you, I should just be in some of these labs. I should go over to Wuhan and I should just be there like, you know what? This is going to escape. Here's how it's going to escape. And then you're forced to listen to me. I, I think, I think if we're going to have a, a world, just, we should just make the bankers listen to me and go, you know, uh, that that system there. I think you're relying too much on that uh, and you're doing all this bad stuff that weakens that so you should stop doing that just all we need are just a bunch of farmers really anybody anybody who's just a regular schmo who's paying attention you know all this you know all these things are coming ai doubling every 48 hours that will mean for the average uh let's say a cell phone it will make the uh, the progress that a smartphone made from 2007 when it was first introduced to 2018 in the next six months. I don't know. I don't know. That seems pretty fast. Uh, you are now entering a time where they're talking about we, we should shut this down. We, we should at least pause for a while. Well, you can't now because China is already there and China is not going to shut it down. 
So do you want China to surpass the United States? How about this? We just shut down uh, the American innovation that's public. And we have everybody just work for the government like a Manhattan Project. So then the government is the only one with AI. Oh, that sounds good, too, doesn't it? There are no good options and too many nefarious people. When I saw the teenagers, I thought, oh, yeah, no, no, there's there's not people that just want to see the world burn. Mm -mm. Because ChatGPT, as it stands now, you can you can uh, make a weapon of mass destruction with ChatGPT. You could right now, if you're really nefarious, say, find the most important people in institutions and uh, search them out, develop fake, uh, you know, web portals for all of these banks and send emails out and say, you've got to change, go through this web portal. And it looks just like Bank of America. And as it's rejected or accepted, it learns how to write that letter to get you to go through that portal. And then once it has all of your information, it just clears your bank accounts. And it does it with everybody who is very, very, very wealthy. Does it to the corporations. Does it to anybody that will log online. Not the little people. It's a weapon of mass destruction. That could happen today with chat GPT. And it will learn. You could do that today. I was listening to David Sachs on uh, All In, his podcast, and they were talking about scenarios like that. They're like, done. What do you think? And David was like, well, we should just wait for regulation. We don't know what we're dealing with yet. And I'm like, what do we what do you mean? Wait, it's doubling every every two days. What are how long do we wait? 30 days? Five weeks? How long do we wait? Because the world is going to change at an exponential pace. And I don't have a solution. I don't think there is a solution except for all of us coming back to true principles and understanding self-regulation. Just because you can do something, Wuhan Labs, (laughs) you don't do it. Just because you can, you don't. I mean... I appreciate your um, uh, this as a an important principle for humanity generally. Yes, but I don't even know how that solves this problem. I mean, what does self regulation do to the all, and you? As you point out, all of us using the you know very uh, easy to achieve standard of full compliance. I mean, I really like, what well, the, <laughs> the idea is either we self-regulate which won't happen there's always i mean in billions of people there's somebody who's like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna set the whole world on fire it's always somebody it's always somebody um and if we don't have it if the average person doesn't have it because well we're gonna protect we're gonna protect everybody then you have governments in charge of it like they're not going to enslave the world. All right, that's going to be terrible too. Yeah, horrible. This this horrible. is bordering, I will be honest, on one of those problems and there's a few of them out there that just feels so big that I just kind of throw my hands up and don't care about it anymore. 
That is like where I'm starting to get with AI. Oh, well, because it's either it's something's going to happen with it, and I know I can't control it, and I don't know. I honestly don't know what the answer is. It's the, coming the, way too fast. The answer is uh, the answer I gave in 2007 or eight: unplug from the system. Make sure that you're not reliant on giant systems. I read an interesting manifesto by a guy who lived in a shack who recommended right? the same thing. Right? I'm starting to wonder. So you know between who, him and the villain in a view to a kill. I mean, did we have did they have some of this down? Do you remember the guy we interviewed? What was his name from uh, Yale University? Mathematician. Oh yeah, incredible guy. Yeah, yeah. I he do has a black glove on his hand like Darth Vader because he was the first target of the Unabomber. Hold on, let me ask AI what his name is. Yeah, okay, and he opened up his mailbox and it. A, a bomb of nails went off. He is in tremendous pain to this day. I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, and uh, he wrote a book about this time. And the Unabomber missed his point. He was like, guys, we shouldn't go here. This is what the world looks like. And he said, I think I think Ted Kaczynski just read like the first half of the book where I was explaining what can be done because in the second half of the book, I'm like, we shouldn't do it. But so he didn't, Ted Kaczynski didn't get it from him. He got this technology from a guy who, you know, has worked for Apple. He's, he's, he's won the biggest case. I think he won a billion dollar case against uh, Apple for stealing some software. I mean, he's a genius, and he's been warning about it for a long time. And what he says is the same thing that it's going to, guys, this is going, you're going to see all of these lines come together. All of these things that are problems, they're all going to come down to one solution. And that solution is you strengthening your core with God. That's it. It's the only thing that's... Remember when I said to you, there's going to come a time when you're going to be walking down the street and you're going to hear, don't go there, turn around. And you've got to stop and turn around and not question that voice. That time is right around the corner, right around the corner. Profound change is coming. And it doesn't mean that that's bad. It just means that you have to be prepared. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. I guess I was trending over the weekend, and all for the wrong reason. Because the George Soros money that is, you know, uh, so proudly on display at Media uh, Matters, a uh, group that Hillary Clinton, you know, she doesn't like misinformation. Hillary Clinton, Podesta, and George Soros started. I think it was Podesta, wasn't it? Uh, there's three of them. They started Media Matters, and they have spent money to cloud issues because they know Americans really just hear things and move on. I was trending this weekend because apparently I'm an anti-Semite again, and I'm not saying any of this to defend myself. I need you to hear the point. Need you to hear the point. I was talking last week about doctors and how concerned I am about our medical profession. It's happening all over the world. Norway just cleared the path so you can kill children if they're terminally ill. This is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. 
Every time this happens, it starts with compassion and it ends in mass slaughter. And it is not, usually, the ones who lead it are not the Nazis, okay? They're not. They're the doctors and nurses. They're the scientists. When people say follow the science, that's what it leads to, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to teach you some things that maybe you didn't, you didn't know, you, you never even heard before. When we got rid of slavery in the United States and the world for the first time started to really turn universally uh, in the you know, Western countries against slavery. When that happened, something else happened right around the same time. And it was the publishing of this book. Tried to get a first edition copy of this the other day. 150,000. So I'm going to stick with our eighth edition copy. <laughs> a very important book. Origin of the Species. This is Darwin. And most people don't know that Darwin, the name of Origin of the Species, it's not, that's not the full name. By means of natural selection. Okay? Origin of the Species by means of natural selection. Maybe. People will know that they don't know or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life of favored races, which means there are favored races and there are inferior races. This was the first time science, if you follow the science, it codified it. Then he wrote Descent of Man. And in that, he makes it even more clear that there are inferior races. So if you want to look for the codification, the justification of racism in America and the world, I would say a lot of it is not from, but codified, institutionalized, made okay through Darwin. Because he teaches us favored races. Okay. So what happened from there? Well, the American institutions and the German institutions of higher learning. Again, the scientists, the doctors, the anthropologists, the psychiatrists, they all embrace this. And they're like, well, if there's favored races, we've got to get rid of the undesirable races. Okay. The other was maybe we can speed up the transition and make everybody part of that favored race because, you know, science stuff. So I said last week that it wasn't the Nazis that were killing the people in the Holocaust, it was the Nazi doctors that were doing it. And I saw a post somebody sent to me and said, oh, Glenn, uh, you, you should you should uh, see where were their uniforms if they were if they were uh, uh, not uh, uh, just uh, doctors, uh, they would have had uniforms. And I, I'm like, have you ever looked up Joseph Mengele? He was famous doctor. He's wearing a uniform. 
I mean, they were high up in the SS. But also, too, you, I my understanding, at least of your certainly in the context, it seemed that you were indicating at the beginning, right? Like, yeah, you're I'm, not saying they've been after a while. That yeah, no, they the ones who perpetrate, the ones who yeah. brought this. Let me let me just explain. Now, I'm going to use, and I'll tell you what I'm using later. But just for this demonstration, I'm using what some people might think is a sketchy source. Okay. Oh, great. But uh. No, but oh, good, hear good. me that's out. A good way to right. I'm, I'm guaranteed somebody is going to complain. They go, that source, that's not. But I'll tell you about that later. Joseph Mengele, one of the most inf- I'm reading from this uh, website. Joseph Mengele is one of the most famous figures in the Holocaust. His service at Auschwitz and the medical experiments he conducted have made him the most widely recognized perpetrator of the crimes committed in that camp. Because of his infamy, Mengele has been the subject of numerous popular books, films, and television shows. Many of these portrayals distort the real facts of Mengele's crimes and take him out of his historic context. And they uh, portray him as a mad scientist who conducted statistic experiments with no scientific basis. Now, that's an important phrase, isn't it? People remember him as a crazy. He wasn't. The truth about Mangala is more disturbing. He was a highly trained doctor and medical researcher, as well as a decorated war veteran. He was respected in his field and worked for one of the leading research institutions in Germany. Much of his medical research at Auschwitz supported the work of other German scientists. He was one of dozens of biomedical researchers who conducted experiments on prisoners in Nazi concentration camps. And he was one of a number of medical professionals who selected victims to be murdered in the gas chambers of Auschwitz. Okay. Mengele acted. Listen carefully. Now, it's a sketchy source. Mengele acted within the norms of German science under the Nazi regime. His crimes represent the extreme danger posed by science when it is conducted in the service of an ideology that denies the rights, dignity, and even humanity of certain groups of people. Okay. So they were doing experiments, these doctors, just in the camps. This is late. They're doing these experiments, and they're doing experiments as physicians on sterilization, how to treat infertility. Um, Also, they were doing drug trials for Bayer and uh, IG Farben. So Bayer Aspirin, those people were paying these people for research for new drugs okay mangala did not actively support the nazi party before it came to power however in 1931 he joined the uh stahlheim the paramilitary of another right-wing party the german national people's party mangala became a member of the nazi sa when it was absorbed into the stalin in 1933 but he ceased his activity in the nazi party in 1934 during his university studies however mangala embraced racial science what is that Stu? what is again what i'm trying to remember what is 
the basis of racial science. I don't know. Is there a subtitle of a particular book that might point to that answer? Like favored races or something? Mm. I can't think of one. Um, He believed that Germans were biologically different and superior to members of all other races. Racial racial science was a fundamental tenet of Nazi ideology. Hitler used racial science to justify the forced sterilization of persons with certain physical, mental and physical deformities. The Nuremberg race laws, which outlawed marriage between Germans and Jewish, black and Romani peoples, were also based upon favored races. Just to remind you, there's a very very expensive book you keep banging on the table yes I, uh, this is eighth edition this is this still is pretty expensive still, it <laughs> is in 1938 Mengele joined the nazi party and the ss in his work as a scientist he sought to support the nazi goal of maintaining and increasing the supposed superiority of the german race Mengele's employer not the german not the german Uh, Nazis, his employer and mentor, Dr. Virtuer, he was working at a clinic, and I'll tell you the name of that here when I get to the sources, uh, also embraced biological racism. In addition to conducting research, Virchauer and his staff, including Mengele, provided expert opinions to Nazi authorities who had to determine whether persons were qualified as a German under the Nuremberg laws. So they were just scientists and they were getting some funding from the government because their goals matched. And they were getting money from uh, pharmaceutical companies because their goals matched. Not all of them it wasn't at one of the, first. Was it one of these things, though, where like all these scientists believe the exact opposite? Nazis come into par- power, and then all of a sudden they had to change what they believed. Correct. Was it that type of situation? No, no? it really it really wasn't. Really? Uh, scientists in the biomedical fields, especially anthropologists, psychiatrists, geneticists, many of the medically trained experts played a role in legitimizing these policies and helping to implant them. They'd embraced these ideas before Hitler came to power. Wait, what was that last part? They embraced these ideas before Hitler took to power. Huh. And they would welcome the regime because of its support of eugenics and support of their research Wait, not the other way around not the other way around hmm. isn't that weird all well, this you know again what you know, you're sourcing on this mm. i mean I, I think that's an interesting proposal but like until you, you hear a source yeah and we don't we can't judge well let me just give you one more thing okay physicians were drawn disproportionately to nazism due to overcrowding in the profession aggravated by economic depression and as a backlash to the relatively high proportion of Jews in the medical practice. Mm. So it wasn't just the eugenics uh, doctors. It was also 11% of the German physician were Jewish. So there's a backlash against it that. It was a backlash mm. because they were hungry and desperate. Mm. And somebody gave them a reason to say, yeah, get them so I can have mine. Now, I'm going to take a break because I just want you to just want you to realize what I'm saying here. 
that it is not just the Nazis. It's the doctors. The doctors had this ideology starting way, way back. And science was unleashed and promoted by a corrupt ideology. They both had many of the same goals. The Nazis just took it further than maybe some, some doctors may have wanted. It's the collusion of government, pharmaceutical companies, the world of science and medicine that brought us the Holocaust. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Josh, welcome to the program, sir. How are you? Great. Great to be back. Thank you. We were just talking about uh, this particular um, uh, leaker. Um, He's not a whistleblower, um, but I don't think he was trying to hurt the United States. uh, I'm not talking about punishment or anything else. I'm just trying to figure him out. Do you have any insight on that? Any thoughts? Right. I mean, listen, as someone who has been on the receiving end of leaks for 20 years, there's basically four motivations. One is uh, that you're trying to uh, um, vanquish your enemy. One is that you're trying to promote yourself. One is that you're doing it for uh, giggles. And one of it is that you're doing it for money. And it seems, based on all the available evidence, that he was doing it for his ego, for giggles, that essentially he's a moron. Okay, <laughs> and it's a sad story because he's 21 years old. Correct. And he threw his life away to be a big shot on a Discord server for a few months, and that's a personal tragedy for him and his family. But I think the point here is that because morons are likely to do moronic things, maybe we shouldn't give access to our top secret information to hundreds of thousands of people who inevitably some will be morons. Yeah. Okay? I- and. Yeah. You know, and so you could blame the moron, sure, but you should also blame the system that let the moron access all Correct. stuff. Correct. And, you know, all we hear from the administration is, oh, well, nothing went wrong. Well, nothing went wrong. Right? <laughs> if nobody takes accountability, then no, nothing will get fixed. And you can't just say, if you can't just say that nobody made any mistakes, but that's exactly what this administration but how, well, everybody then, was, then, then even if somebody didn't make a mistake... I mean, I know they put new traffic lights in all the time here in Texas. You'll be driving down the street and there's no traffic light. And all of a sudden there's a traffic light. Why? Because a lot of people started making mistakes and there were traffic accidents. So nobody made a mistake not putting a light in there in the first place. But once it's exposed as a problem, you change it and put a light in. Nobody did anything wrong. Well, how about the policies? Because it seems like if he was if he was allowed to do this, he shouldn't be. Right. And you can be sure that now the Massachusetts Air National Guard is going to get cut off from some of this stuff. But to be honest with you, Glenn, I've been, again, 20 years of dealing with this kind of uh, information leakage. Uh, I'm here to tell you this, ha- this happens all the time. You go into any office in the Pentagon, you go to any K Street lobbies, you'll find classified you go into joe biden's garage you go into the mar-a-lago party storage room right. you're gonna find a lot of secrets just laying around it's just true okay and i'm actually surprised this kind of thing doesn't happen every month because of how 
horribly the handling of this top secret information is done all over our government. Now, that's not to say that there isn't an also a parallel problem here of overclassification, right? Yes. There's, we're classifying way too much stuff. But then the stuff that's really important to classify, we're not keeping it a secret. So you can have two thoughts in your head. One is that we need to classify less stuff and then take the stuff that's really classified and protect it better. Uh, but we're doing neither of those. Things. So I haven't really heard from anybody that doesn't have an axe to grind one way or another. Um, just talk about what he released. Right. What, what, who did this really hurt? What did we really find out? Right. So I, I put the, the disclosures into three buckets. One is stuff we shouldn't know. One is stuff we should have known about, and one is stuff that we already knew about. I'll explain what I mean. Stuff we shouldn't know, right? When we're spying on top Russian leaders, when we have a mole at the top level of the government of our enemy, that should stay secret. Because once Correct. you blurt that out into the world, that guy gets killed, we lose our source, and our country's security suffers. Let me make it very uh-huh. simple for everybody. The first rule here, stuff we shouldn't know, that's the knock list that, t- that Tom Cruise protected <laughs> In Mission Impossible number one, <laughs> just saying. Right. All right. Right. So that's bad. He should not have have released that stuff. Then there's the stuff that we should have known about. This is what I reported on, Glenn, that China has tested a new hypersonic missile that can defeat our aircraft carriers and our missile defense. In other words, we spent 30 years building aircraft carriers and missile defense, and the Chinese built a missile for a 100 thousandth of the price that makes those things obsolete. That seems kind of important for people to know. Yeah. Why were we hiding that? That was in the documents. I brought that out. I think that's, there's a lot of stuff in the documents that American people should know because it reveals that uh, the world is changing fast and our government really isn't on top of it. And they need to be. It, 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 it does make a difference because usually I would say, hey, we don't need to, to release everything that they have knowing that what they have. But I think there is it, you you hit it on the head. There is a need for the American people to understand the world is about to dramatically change, and exactly. the United States is sitting around with its hands in its pockets. Right. So maybe we shouldn't build more aircraft carriers, and maybe we should build the stuff that fights hypersonic missiles, yes. because that's what our enemies are shooting at us, okay? Correct. So that's one big thing. The third thing is stuff we already knew. Now, this is like, you know, again, Glenn, we, we should have learned after like five years of like Russia gave that like, the intelligence officials, when they're predicting the future, they don't really know what the hell they're talking about <laughs> any more than you or me, right? And they're, but they have to do it. They have to file these analyst reports every day. And then one of them leaks to Congress like, oh, my God, we figured out the future. But nobody knows the future. So we know that they're full of crap, right? So it's sort of like, okay, well, what do they do? They end up saying, the Ukraine war is grinding towards stalemate. Yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I know where you're going. <laughs> or, or uh, oh, China has China has enough missiles and planes to bury Taiwan under a pile of rubble before they can do it. That was today's story. Taiwan can't defend itself from China. Guess what? That's true. It's obvious. Everyone in China knows it. Everyone in Taiwan knows it. So the fact that it got leaked from a document by a bunch of analysts who are probably reading the paper doesn't really bother me. So that's the third. It's like Correct. stuff that everybody knows. And I, I think there is something that, you know, I have no access to secret information, but I think it's it fits into this category. We have no real ability to fight a war with China, especially in Taiwan. We have no ability. We don't have the supply chain. We, I mean, they could overwhelm right. us with drones uh, from China. Just, just knock us out of the sky with drones like crazy. We're not prepared. So all this talk about a buildup of war with China should be 
really concerning to the American people when you learn they have missiles like they have hypersonic missiles and we're not prepared just in a supply line for anything that happens in Taiwan. But nobody's talking about it. Well, Glenn, you're, I, I, I 100% agree with you because I was in Taiwan uh, in November and I went to the front lines of the defenses and I found something uh, that shocked me that the front lines aren't really there, that it doesn't exist. The Taiwanese know that they can't defend from an invasion. And guess what? Our intelligence community knows that we can't defend from a uh, uh, Chinese invasion. And yeah, we're telling ourselves a story in Washington about some sort of fight over Taiwan that doesn't match the reality. Now, there's two things you could do about that. One is you could just admit it and say, okay, well, Taiwan, you guys are on your own. I guess we'll just give all of our semiconductors, uh, you know, to the Chinese and see how that goes. Or you could fix it. In other words, you could give them the stuff that they need to defend themselves and move our stuff closer to Taiwan to make our deterrence right. more credible. All right. Now, I, I, again, you, those are two legitimate arguments. But what we're, the, what we're doing is the worst of both worlds because we're pretending Good. that we can defend Taiwan Correct. when we actually know that we can't. And so they, know we can't. they know we can't. They know we can't. We know it. They know. And yeah. the Chinese know it. Right? right. So they're not deterred. And this is the problem that we made with Putin is we told ourselves that Putin was deterred and he wasn't. And we know he wasn't because he invaded. So what are we going to wait until that happens again? Or are we going to learn that lesson and decide that if we care about these countries and if we're going to make a commitment to defend them? And again, you may say, okay, well, we shouldn't commit that if we can't back it up. Fine. All I'm saying is if we do commit it, then we should back it up. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. We can't bluff our way through and then fold. We have to back it up. But we're not preparing for any of that and how far do these missiles fly and they're they're hypersonic which i've just heard last week or the week before that we now have one but i don't know if i believe that um this is a hypersonic which makes it almost impossible to take down right right it's hypersonic which means it flies faster than sound but it's also a hypersonic glide which means you can maneuver it so when we shoot up the missile defense all we have to do is maneuver around it and we can also maneuver, they can also maneuver it to hit our aircraft carriers, basically as far as Guam. Half the Pacific is now, you know, n- no entry for our aircraft carriers if they decide to use these things. That's a huge problem for Taiwan, but not just for Taiwan, for the entire South China Sea. They're basically taking over Asia while we're sleeping, okay? And now I'm not saying that we should buy hypersonic missiles to fight hypersonic missiles. I'm saying that we should buy the things or build the things that defend against hypersonic missiles and so it's complicated and you have to think ahead of your opponent but right now they're thinking ahead of us and the scenario is that if china i heard you talk about the timeline right the timeline for me is they'll go when they're ready yeah they're not ready that's why i don't think they can go this year or next year sure they'd rather do it on a biden watch than on a republican watch but they don't they're not ready yet so if you if you think about it they'll probably get ready in about three or four years that's the best guess and we don't know who's going to be president then, but that's our timeline to prepare. Oh, that would be that our- would be a dream come true if that if that's true. And you know, uh, my sources tell me that they don't have the landing vehicles uh, to be able to do an invasion like that. They could they could clearly wipe everything out uh, and defeat us, but they don't have all of the things they would need to really take that right. island. Is that so, Glenn? Yes, that's right. But there's three things that the Chinese are doing. One is to prepare the invasion force, which will take three or four years. The second is to prepare economic resiliency. They saw the Putin sanctions and said, not for us. Why do you think they're going around the world 
changing all of their business agreements out of U.S. dollars. Mm -hmm. That's because when they attack, they don't want to be sanctioned. So they're actively trying to protect themselves from sanctions. That's number two. Number three is they're building a thousand new nuclear weapons. Why are they doing that? Why are they building 400 missile silos in the middle of China and then a thousand nuclear warheads? There's only one reason. It's to threaten to attack us if we defend Taiwan. They're building a nuclear deterrent. Uh, an economic resilience and an invasion force. And all those things coalesce around 2027. And we don't know who's going to be president here. We don't know who's going to be president in Taiwan, but we do know who's going to be president in China. That's the president for life, Xi Jinping. And he wants to do this and he's going to do this one way or the other. In other words, he might not even attack if he can get us to not care and get the Taiwanese to switch governments to a pro-China government, then he'll do it without attacking. And he'll just Politically and economically, that's actually better for him, but he reserves the right to attack. So we have to prepare for that, but not only focus on the military part. We have to focus on the economic coercion, the political interference, the cyber warfare. This is how the autocrats wage war. You know, it's not just guns and missiles and throwing recruits at at the problem. Uh, They're waging a multi-front hybrid warfare, and we're not sophisticated enough to deal with that, but we need to. So, Josh, one more question on this China thing, and this is a really, this is probably crazy, but... If I were president, I were, or somebody in somebody in the planning room, if there is one anymore, that it would be saying, "Okay, we got to do everything we can to get some very high tech, the best of the best uh, chip factories here in America. We've got to do everything we can to attract so we can get that high end chip making ability happening here in America as quickly as we can." And then, honestly. The only thing I would would do if they, you know, took Taiwan is I hate to say this, but I would blow up those chip factories because that's really what they want. Right, right. Okay, so I, you know, Glenn, I can't lie to your audience. I have to be honest. I just can't help it. We we just took our best chance to build the next generation of semiconductor factories in the United States, and we flush it down the toilet. You've heard of this CHIPS bill. It was the first time Congress ever did anything in in a bunch of years. And what they did is they spent $50 billion to subsidize the semiconductor industry to build not the latest CHIPS, to build basically the second-tier CHIPS, okay? And we got enough did, of those. We, we can make those. We can make those. I mean, we need those, too, but, you know, yeah, I know, it, but, it doesn't really get at that problem. Now, I, I saw Tsai Ing-wen, the president of Taiwan, when she was in town, and, and they asked her, okay, well, you guys make the best chips. Can we make them here? And she said, listen, it's not possible because we spent 40 years setting up the supply line in the factories. And it does. you can't just pick up all of that stuff and just move it across mm. the world. It doesn't work that way. And we just tried to make this big investment, and we didn't do it. It was a big payoff to these industries who, by the way, are taking – separate money and going to build chip factories in China because they, they love to do business in China too. So it's kind of a, a, a taxpayer subsidy that's being funneled out of the country, but that's a separate issue. What I'm trying to say is to answer your question directly is that, you know, if, if, if China takes Taiwan with those chip factories, then they will control the world economy uh, for the next, let's say 20 years. Now, if they blow up the chip factories, then we're all screwed. Then you're, you know, forget about your your next generation robotics, your cars, everything. But so I don't. I, I, that's not really a good solution. But yes, I do think that if if the attack is coming, that will be the choice. And to be honest with you, if, it's up to the Taiwanese. And the Taiwanese yeah. I talked to would rather not blow up their economy, and they would actually rather be subjugated to Beijing than to be uh, have no economy at all. And that's the 
again, a reality that we don't like to talk about in Washington because we like to tell ourselves everything's right. fine. Everything's not fine. The only real way to save our economy and to not starve our, 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 our businesses of the next generation technology is to prevent China from attacking Taiwan. And the only way to do that is to by upping the deterrence. And that's why we have to be serious about defending Taiwan, not just about talking about it. That's my view. You may disagree. That's my view, okay? Because all the alternatives are disastrous. We don't want China in control of Taiwan. That's a disaster for our economy, for our core interests. And if we blow up the economy, well, that's kind of a a nightmare scenario as well. So why don't we just do what we say we're doing, which is to (laughs) be on Taiwan's side to defend them from getting attacked for no reason? You know, because wait, I don't think I understand. Wait, you mean like let your yes be yes and your no be no? Do what you say and say what you mean and mean what you say. Wow, I that don't. That would be a revolution in American politics. <laughs> I haven't seen it 25 years. I don't know about you. But why don't we try it just for once? I know, but Let's the other happens. is working so well, Josh. It's right, working right. so well. Oh, right, it's just right. crazy. Josh, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, all your analysis and your hard work. Josh Rogan, uh, the name of his book is Chaos Under Heaven, and it uh, it talks all about China and what we're really facing. Um, Josh Rogan, you can follow him. He is a uh, columnist for The Washington Post. Na, na, na.